your name? What is your name? She is not a girl. First, hey, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? Coffee with Gringos, Dynamic English's podcast where you can learn English simply by hearing people use it. So sit down and have a coffee of us. Hey everyone, you are listening to Coffee with Gringos. I'm Ian Kennedy. And I'm Paige Sutherland. And today we are going to be talking about some incredible survival stories. Throughout history, there have been plenty of these kind of stories that demonstrate what people have inside them to stay alive under the absolute worst circumstances. Some of these stories are pretty hard to believe. Some of them are very sad, very tragic, and some are also hopeful for those who actually survived the harrowing event. So there are many, many, many of them, but Paige and I are just going to be discussing a few of the most famous and most interesting ones that we've found today. So listeners, as usual, if you get lost, check out that audio guide and transcript at www.dynamicenglish.cl. So Paige, we have many, many of these stories where people have been in these incredible situations, stranded in the ocean, stranded in the mountains, some sort of an accident or incident, and they've come out on the other side. So I think it would be interesting for us to start out with one of the best well-known ones, and that is the Donner Party. And basically, the Donner Party was a group of American pioneers in the U.S., who they set out to California from the east in a wagon train. And due to a lot of things that set them back due to weather during the really harsh winter of 1846, they were crossing the Sierra Nevada mountains and the snow was just too much for them. And it forced them to be stuck in the mountains. Because of this, there were actually reports of cannibalism. People in the group were dying, and for those to, who were still surviving to stay alive, they had to eat other people in the group. Help didn't arrive until the next winter or the middle of February. And so these rescue parties brought food. They tried to bring them out of the mountains, and only 48 of the original 87 people lived to reach California. Here's a, a classic example that you know I learned about in school at least for you know this group they attempted to get over the mountains and they ended up having to eat each other to survive which is pretty insane. I I really don't know if that's something I could do. I think that's one of those things where you have an idea or an opinion but you don't really know what you do until you're in that situation. So I think it's hard to judge these people because again, they're in a survival situation, but it's always disheartening to hear when people resort to cannibalism, I think. I don't know the details of that. I'm hoping that the people they were eating died so that they were kind of just being resourceful and the fact that someone already died and, and, and they were able to get protein by eating them, which is still disgusting, but it's easier to understand if it's like, okay, well, at least they didn't kill them and eat them. <laughs> I mean, any way you slice it, cannibalism is, is pretty terrific, but you can't really be tested until you're actually tested in that in that survival mode, which brings me to the next popular story. Aaron Ralston, he became really popular and his story became really popular in 2003. He was a big hiker and was hiking in a canyon in Utah. And as he was kind of climbing up, he got stuck in between this boulder and it fell on his, in his arm. And the boulder was just too heavy that he could not get it off his arm. And so he 
you know, was out in the middle of this canyon, no reception, no one knowing he was out there, you know, obviously running low on food and water and was put in this situation of either I do something drastic or I die out here. And so he had this dull knife on him in his hiking pack and he ended up cutting off the arm that was under this boulder and then was able to escape from under it and walk out of this park alive. And it's just this amazing story because that takes so much courage to to cut your own arm. And it was, you know, a knife that, you know, wasn't going to be quick. It was going to be very painful. There was going to be a lot of loss of blood. So he was doing something that was no guarantee that he would survive, right? I mean, he could cut his arm off and die of blood loss and then it wasn't worth it. I mean, it just shows, I guess, when you are in that survival mode that you might do just about anything, like cutting off your own arm. (laughs) Exactly. It's one of those things where it's like, you know, I I either die for sure if I stay here or I take that bold move and take that bold risk and hopefully it'll pay off. And for him, it did pay off. I have to say, though, I'm I'm not the most impressed with Aaron Ralston. He made quite a few mistakes before going out and hiking. So listeners always tell someone that where you're going and, you know, what to expect if you don't come back within a certain time frame, because he didn't do that. He just left. He went camping, didn't tell any or went hiking, didn't tell anyone. And uh, this is a big no, no. As we say, do not do this before you go out. Make sure people know where you are, your whereabouts. You know, while I think it's really courageous what he did, I think it's something that could have been avoided. So great story, but be smarter before you go out. <laughs> no, that that's a really good point to make. But I, I do think, I mean, again, you don't know until you're tested, but I don't think I could have done that. I mean, I think I would have just been like, well, this is it for me. <laughs> <laughs> you would have given up pretty easily. I, I think of it, yeah. I don't think I would eat anyone and I don't think I would cut my own arm off. I think if I had like a machete and it was going to be quick and, you know, rip off that Band-Aid type experience, but like to really like cut your arm, which probably took him, you know, a good 30 minutes. Ugh. No. Yeah, I couldn't do it. Yeah, it sounds horrible. Hey, Ian, did you know besides the podcast, Dynamic English offers one-on-one classes with native teachers from all over the world? Really? But isn't it just a bunch of grammar lessons? Nope, it's completely discussion-based and focuses on topics the student is interested in. That's amazing. But what if I'm not living in Chile? No problem. Dynamic does online classes. You can be living anywhere. Great. But I'm a little intimidated to take the class alone. Can I join with a friend? Of course. Dynamic offers group classes of up to four. Plus, for the next month, Coffee of Gringo's listeners get 10% off individual or group classes. So go online to www.dynamicenglish.cl and mention that you are a listener and get your discount. Well, I'm sold. Sign me up. Another really interesting one to mention on this list is Slavomir Rawich. I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Um, And Rawich was a cavalry officer in the Polish army when the Red Army of uh, Russia captured him during the German-Soviet partition of Poland in 1939. And he was tortured, he was thrown in jail after a trial in Moscow, and he was actually sentenced to 25 years of hard labor in a Siberian gulag. 
And for those who don't know, Gulag is basically a labor prison camp for political prisoners and other people in the Soviet Union who were not liked by the government. And so after a year of just unbearable, inhumane conditions in Siberia, which is one of the most remote and cold and harsh environments in the entire world, he and six other prisoners escaped from the labor camp. They marched 4,000 miles on foot across Siberia, the Gobi Desert in China, through Tibet, which has some of the tallest mountains in the world in the Himalayas, all the way to India. And there's actually a famous book called The Long Walk, which is based on the story. I can't even fathom the distance of 4,000 miles, let alone walking it. And it's also like you're not walking 4,000 miles across like a flat surface or just like a valley or a plain, right? We're talking about the most harsh and difficult geography that exists on Earth. They went through one of the harshest deserts, one of the harshest uh, Siberian tundras, and over some of the tallest mountains in the world. And they all survived, it sounds like. I mean, that's just the tenacity it takes to do that is something I can't really wrap my head around. Absolutely not. And and like to add to that it's like they're not prepared for that right so they don't have the right gear the right clothing the right you know the amount of food and water and so it's insane to do all of that when you're probably malnourished and dehydrated and maybe you know have frostbite or whatever it is it's you know it's not like they had patagonia gear and (laughs) everything um so yeah it's it's impressive what people can do and when they have to Another story that comes to mind of survival is Stephen Callahan, and this is on the water, so a little different than what we've been talking about, where, you know, he was in this small sailboat, he was going from the Canary Islands to the Caribbean, and there was a storm that came, and he was, you know, his his ship sank, and he was stranded on this rubber raft he's out in the atlantic it's like a five and a half foot raft so this tiny this tiny thing and he has just a t-shirt on a few pounds of food a couple pints of water and he's just completely out in the middle of the ocean and he ended up being out there for 76 days traveling over 1800 miles and then he finally reached the bahamas And the biggest thing about being stranded in the ocean is you're just in direct sunlight. You're in direct sunlight and you're surrounded by water that you can't drink because it's full of salt. And so all you are is like is tired and you probably have heat stroke because you're just baking. You're just baking in the sun and you're so thirsty all day. Uh, And so when I was reading up on him, like he being out there for 76 days, he was delusional, right? Like you get... You go kind of crazy when you're that dehydrated and you're just out in the sun that long. And so it's impressive that he was able to kind of overcome all those barriers 76 days without, you know, enough water and and he and he survived. I would probably never go sailing again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think my sailing days would be over too once that happened, but it's just amazing to think about the survival that happens in the middle of the ocean, right? Because it's also a mental game. You can't see anything. You just see miles and miles and miles of open ocean. Like you said, you have all this water around you that you can't drink. It's so tempting. And you're just baking in the sun. I mean, I can't even imagine being in direct sunlight in the ocean for 
that much time. I mean, you would just, you would feel horrible. You would go crazy. It totally makes sense that he was delusional. I mean, I'm sure I'd lose my mind if I was out there that long as well. So just the fortitude to keep moving and to not give up is what's so incredible about the people that we're talking about today in these stories. It's something that they have in common. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like at least if you're on land, you can, you know, look for the moon and the stars and have some sense of direction where in the ocean, I would get the sense that, you know, I made progress and then I'm like, oh, shit, is it, you know, it would just be hard to know if you were actually moving in the same direction in the right place for that long. So I just think it would feel very like hopeless. Absolutely. Yeah. Speaking of uh, another crazy survival story that maybe a lot of our South American audience is familiar with is Nando Parado and the Uruguayan rugby team. So in 1972, a plane with a Uruguayan rugby team, they were crossing the Andes Mountains and the plane ended up crashing. And a lot of the people on board were killed immediately, but there were still some survivors upon the crash. And after several weeks without anyone coming to rescue them, a few failed attempts of them to try to walk out of the mountains. Unfortunately, the survivors also resorted to cannibalism, like I mentioned earlier in the Donner Party. And Nando Parado, he was sort of known as, I guess, kind of the leader and sort of the hero of the group. You know, he talks about how it was just a really harrowing thing that happened to them. He actually had a, a broken skull. He fractured his skull in the crash. He was out, out cold, unconscious for three days, and everyone thought he was going to die from his injuries, but somehow he was able to survive. And after these several weeks, he came up with a plan and he actually led them out of the mountains. Uh, they were trapped on a glacier 17,000 feet high and they marched 10 days until they were able to find rescue. And I mean, you've, you've spent a lot of time down here. You've lived down here in the Andes. Uh, we're pretty familiar with it and they are incredibly harsh you hear about people who freeze to death just going camping in certain places or going hiking and getting lost around here. So the idea that you could live for, you could survive with a broken skull, among other things, for several weeks in the freezing cold Andes. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine what that experience was like. And also the luck they had to be found when they were found and to make it out of the mountains alive because these mountains are enormous and... I don't know. I just can't even imagine being in that situation. Absolutely not. I think it just shows that you kind of have something inside of you that comes out when it needs to. Because, yeah, I, I feel like a lot of these stories are probably, they sound extraordinary, right? Because they're put in extraordinary circumstances. But it seems like probably everyone has that, like, survivor instinct and is able to kind of overcome that when they're when they're forced to. At least it seems from from these stories, yeah. Which is which is good to know, but I'm hoping not to be tested. <laughs> so again, as we mentioned, these are just some of the most commonly known ones. There are many, many more. We encourage you to do some of your own research and find out some more harrowing survival stories. And as always, like we mentioned, check out that audio guide and transcript online at www.dynamicenglish.cl. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Coffee with Gringos officially has over 100 episodes, and we are among the top podcasts in Chile. And that's thanks to you. But we're always working to grow our audience, so make sure to rate, review, and share us.